and welcome in everybody welcome to another episode of the dynasty underground i am your host derek walmack and you can follow the show on twitter at dino underground that's at d-y-n-o underground you can find my running back ranks on there right now um, i'm working on my wide receiver rankings as we speak and we've got an awesome show today i brought in Another guest, we brought in Jake Trowbridge from the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football podcast, and we cover everything from drinking beer to the Scott Fish Bowl, and the main theme of today's show, which is, you know, I went through Fantasy Football Calculator, and I found, you know, some of the the guys that are going in the same range that, you know, that... It, the, you know, that interests me the most, you know, which guys, you know, when you have to pick this guy over this guy, where it's easy, where it isn't, I picked out where it wasn't easy for me. And I wanted to get Jake's opinion on these, you know, on these players. And I'm, I'm not going to do a very long intro because we talked for almost two hours. So yeah, I'm not going to drag this on. You can follow him on Twitter at Jake Trowbridge. And without further ado, let's get to the interview. And our next guest, Jake Trowbridge from Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football. Jake, how's it going, buddy? I am doing terrific. I have a beer in hand. I'm ready to talk football. The world could not be better from my room right now. How about you? I'm doing great. Uh, what kind of beer are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking a Bent Paddle Imperial Sour. It's called Wilderness Tuxedo. It's a pineapple, blackberry, American sour. It packs a wallop. Yeah, you are getting fancy with it. <laughs> I, I I was at the store earlier because I wanted to I wanted to get fancy with it, but so I don't know if you're a big fan of like the Guinness Draft Stout, but. That's one of my favorite beers, but I wanted to get something a little off the beaten path, but I couldn't. I picked up like three or four different beers, and I would look. I would just the Guinness Stout, the Draft Stout, would catch my eye, and I just had to go. I had to go with that. So that's what I'm it, drinking today. The heart wants what the heart wants. Okay, <laughs> you, you should never yeah. steer it away from that. So I, yeah. I think you probably and, made a wise call there. And I love, like, I love. We, I live in norman oklahoma we've got some great local breweries and i love sampling all their different beers um but i had i, I don't know when I, whenever i want the draft stout that's what i want so that's what i ended up that's i would decided to treat myself today <laughs> there you uh, go <laughs> um all right uh so to kick things off we both have the nine spot in the scott fishbowl and for those of you who don't know the scoring in these things is usually pretty crazy. So whenever we talk about the players we're looking at in what rounds, this isn't because we're bad at fantasy football or new at fantasy football. This is because the scoring in this is pretty nuts. So I just want to run down, and especially the quarterback scoring. So I just want to run down some of the, the most notable uh, scoring you know, ways to score for quarterbacks. So it's six point for passing touchdown. It's a half a point for completion minus a full point 
for an incomplete pass, minus four points for an interception, um, and an extra two my, or an extra two points docked for a pick six, minus a point for being sacked, and then most of everything looks everything else looks fairly normal, and it's the super flex as well. So we both have the number nine spot with everything in mind. What are you what are you hoping? What are you looking to do from the ninth spot? I've been running through some mocks, whether uh, live mocks with with some other folks who have gotten them together, or there is a Scott Fish designated uh, mock draft tool um, from the football workshop, which has been pretty great. It's just a, an automated thing that uses the most recent ADP. And so I've been trying to run through, even though, so I'll say, this is my first time in the Scott Fishbowl. I've heard from some of the veterans out there that mock drafts uh, are fool's gold a little bit. They're yeah. not always yeah. the most I've, accurate. But I don't know I've another way. I, I, <laughs> I need something uh, to, yeah. to base my decisions off of. So I'm, I'm a sucker, and I'm still going to keep using them. Um, but from what I've found so far, my ideal draft strategy has actually been to hit one of the top tight ends in the first round, so your Kelsey or your Kittle, and then go with a quarterback potentially in the second round, um, which would be like a Drew Brees potentially, maybe even a Matt Ryan uh, if I if I want to reach. Um, so I've been trying to hit that strategy early because you talked about the quarterback scoring and how wild yeah. it is. And so you can't yeah, have that- a gunslinger, you know? Yeah, but whenever I first was reading the scoring on these, Drew Brees was the first quarterback that popped into my head with the minus, you know, the full point docked for an incomplete pass. So as soon as I read that, the first quarterback that popped into my head was Drew Brees. And I should also, I didn't mention, it's it's tied in premium as well. So that's why, you know, we want to prioritize these tight ends a little bit. Yeah, um, a point per reception and point per first down. And so that's tight end city. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, and that's why it's especially, I, I kind yeah, of especially with especially yeah, especially with some of these, you know, elite guys. So and this is kind of where so I'm I'm generally in, you know, kind of standard, you know, run of the mill formats. I'm generally a guy that wants to target running backs early. But I mean, this one I'm I might not, if it falls the right way, I may not select a running back until the third round because I've, if I'm sitting there at the nine spot and I've got, you know, one of Kittle or Kelsey or Mark Andrews available to me, I might have to pull the trigger on that just because the drop off between those three guys and the next guy, I think is, it's not going to be something you can make up elsewhere, in my opinion. I don't think they're like, I mean, who a running back I can get in the third round is probably. What do you think? I haven't really done any mocks yet. You think a Le'Veon Bell, some players like that? Yeah, and in fact, Gordon. I've gotten Bell. I've gotten Bell in the fourth round in almost every mock. He seems to be my guy in that in that yeah. round, and yeah. he is so safe, in, especially yeah. in this format. You know, where yeah. all the elite sure. guys are off the board by by the nine spot that I've found. I mean, you're you're not obviously getting a CMC, a Saquon, a Camara. Zeke is almost always gone. Derek Henry is pretty close to almost being gone. And I don't even I don't know. I'm not even giant uh, on Derek Henry for this format. Yeah. Um, just with That's, the competition that was brought. 
Yeah, there's there's a there's a tear break for me between Henry and Zeke. If if Zeke is available to me at the nine, if you know if people in front of me are selecting quarterbacks and tight ends, I'll I'll likely go Ezekiel Elliott if he's there at nine. Um, but yeah, and I don't I don't love Le'Veon Bell, but yeah, you said it. He is safe. He's gonna see a ton of volume, and you know if I can start off with you know, like a, a Mark Andrews or a George Kittle and a Drew Brees in the first two rounds to really, like, I think Drew Brees may be the safest quarterback in this format outside of Patrick Mahomes. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so being able, I mean, you know, with, you know, the, the minus a full point for incomplete pass and, and four points for interceptions, that takes a lot of quarterbacks completely off my radar. Like I, I want to make sure I feel good about my quarterback situation and especially with it being super flex as well. So, so, I mean, who, who are some, some wide receivers uh, that you're targeting? You know, we've, we've talked about, you know, the running backs available to us. If we, if we decide to go, you know, tie it in quarterback, we'll be looking probably at, what do you think? Maybe it's Todd Gurley or Leonard Fournette in the third round, and then you said you can get Bell in the fourth sometimes? Yeah, yeah. I, I think those are, are fair names. Uh, Fournette especially is a guy who I would also be very excited for just simply based on usage um, and, and touchdown potential as well. So, yeah, if you could get him in the third, Gurley would be the exact same because, again, there's no competition there. It's, it's, it's yeah. him. As much as I've been a quadre Olison truther, uh, in the past. He, he is not a direct threat to Todd Gurley's workload. Here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if I can scoop up those couple of guys in the third and fourth, uh, names that I'm looking at, and this is in no particular order, no particular round, but guys that I am happy to load up on if I'm waiting on wide receiver are guys like DK Metcalf, who is falling into the, I think, seventh. Same with T.Y. Hilton, who's falling there. Um, I understand injury concerns and all that for T.Y., but you're just looking on a points per game basis. He 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 might yeah. not be a better value, or there might not be a better value than Ty. Um, God, I love Jarvis, especially in this oh, format. Yeah. I've I'm been all about I've been this. hammering Jarvis all off season. No, I mean, regardless <laughs> of format, honestly. Absolutely. I, I mean, I'm a little bit nervous. We'll just see what the uh, uh, medical uh, facts there shake out to be. Before the season, he had that injury last year. He should be good. He should be good. I haven't heard anything to the contrary. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, guys like that, I'm all about. I would also take uh, a Tyler Boyd around that same area. I was all about Julian Edelman up until Cam signed there. And now I'm <laughs> a little bit nervous for Julian Edelman because I don't know how much uh, Cam will really use him uh, if and when he becomes the starter there. But, yeah, there are some guys. Like Jameson Crowder has some intrigue here in this format so there are guys that you can lean on yeah i've been i i'm assuming he's going maybe not late but late enough where i'm happy to take him is you know if i can if i can get brandon cooks in my wide receiver group as well because i think he's going to i think he's going to go late enough where he'll be a good value and and you know the way the way i'm kind of strategizing in my head to build this team is the reason I kind of want to get one of those top tier tight ends 
is because I think I would rather have, you know, a Mark Andrews. I would rather, you know, the foundation of my team be Drew Brees, Mark Andrews, Le'Veon Bell, Leonard Fournette, if I can make that happen, rather than taking a Joe Mixon in the first round and then having to scrounge for, you know, an Evan Ingram probably, you know, in probably what, the third or fourth round. So Yeah, and I would take Evan Ingram as a second tight end in this format. Yeah, like that's yeah. honestly something I've considered doing because again they get so much leverage off of their additional uh, receptions. In fact, I just looked up something today that was kind of wild. I, I did, I'm trying to learn as much about this format as possible and historically <laughs> yeah, I am too. You know, what to expect with it. And and I didn't realize exactly how much that tight end uh, bump could really mean for guys. But I looked up this stat and it was kind of wild. So uh, if you looked at last year's uh, tight ends and applied this year's scoring format to them, um, there were let me count off here, but it was Kelsey, Kittle, Hooper, and Ertz all finished higher in points per game than every wide receiver that wasn't Michael Thomas or Chris Godwin. So you're you're looking at potentially if you, if Evan Ingram on a points per game basis, at least could easily uh, outscore a a vast majority of these wide receivers you might take around him. Yeah. And yeah. And this isn't me saying I hate Evan Ingram, but I think, I think the drop off between, you know, a one of those top three guys and Evan Ingram is probably bigger than Joe Mixon and Leonard Fournette as my RB ones. Oh, for sure. Just, yeah, just off the top of my head, because especially, I don't know how you feel about Todd Gurley for 2020. I'm all in on him, like at you know at his current price. Um, you know, in the Scott Fishbowl, I am I'm 100% fine. If I can get Breeze and one of those top three tight ends and then get Todd Gurley as my RB1 because he's kind of, you know, you look at Gurley and Fournette and Mixon, you know, all three of these guys have a pretty strong grasp of their jobs. But I would say Gurley's in the best position, you know, in the best situation. I mean, what do you think? I, I, I love that. <laughs> Derek, yeah, I absolutely so. love what you're talking about. Because <laughs> somebody good. actually just asked me not, not too long ago um, for kind of an outlier running back who could potentially finish as the RB1, right? Like, like what are some guys, obviously not CMC and Saquon, and those two are, are your locked-in guys with that potential, but who are some guys further down the list who could do it? Todd Gurley's name immediately popped up in my head because there's no competition. He's on an incredible offense. Uh, he's either going to get all the targets uh, that yeah. De- Devonta Freeman got last year. And Devonta Freeman was not very productive with those targets and still finished well when he was out on the field. Um, but Todd Gurley at this stage, at any stage, is better than Devonta Freeman. No disrespect to Freeman. Um, yeah. yeah, no competition. I mean, Gurley, for this year only, um, obviously taking Dynasty and all that out of it, but just for Scott Fishbowl, just for this year, I'm I'm loving Gurley for this uh, potential here. Yeah, I am too. Especially when you can, you know, if you can load up on, or maybe load up's not the right word, but if you can get, you know, a difference maker at tight end in this tight end premium format, and maybe the safest quarterback as your QB one in this format, and then 
And one thing I feel like isn't talked about enough with Todd Gurley is, and it, if you, so I'm not, I'm not big on Russell Gage. If he, if he comes out and is a decent wide receiver three, I'm not going to be surprised. You know, it's okay, but I'm not expecting a breakout. And I'm skeptical of Hayden Hurst. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of opportunity for not only Todd Gurley to get a lot of carries, but catch a lot of passes because he may be the third most talented pass catcher on that roster. For sure. Yeah. So, yeah, getting get, if I can get him as my running back one and then you know in the third round and swing around at the 204 and get you know just somebody that's going to get a lot of volume so let me ask you this a quick dichotomy Le'Veon Bell or Melvin Gordon uh, Bell for me 100 percent and okay, it yep. just comes down to who he's sharing a backfield with which is really nobody the one thing that's yeah. worried me um the only thing that's that's tough is that the Jets didn't come right out and say that if they're not in contention for the playoffs, they have no bones about shipping Lev Bell off and trading him. But what's nice is, yes, it, it could affect playoffs in some sort. But what's nice is that it's almost a guarantee that he's going to get traded to a contender then um, who is in a good spot and could still continue to utilize him well. Um, wide receivers and all that, I get very nervous about them switching teams uh, midseason yeah. in particular, running backs, I'm not really that worried, especially a vet like Bell. So um, I, I want Bell. Yeah, I think I'm I'm right there with you. And um, oh my gosh, I had a I had a quick sidebar I wanted to get to, but it it vanished from my mind. Um, so I love a good sidebar, by the way, <laughs> uh, as long as it's fully yeah, stopped. It, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. No, I I completely forgot what I was gonna say. So I want to get into the theme of the show, and I came up with this with, you know, a lot of people are doing dynasty startups right now. They're doing slow drafts, so, you know, maybe even for seasonally. I've done a couple of redraft uh, drafts already. So, you know, I, I wrote down some of the players that are going in a similar spot that most intrigued me, and I wanted to get somebody else's perspective on it you know so the first one that came into my mind was you know if you're sitting there at the 103 104 spot and Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley are off the board are you looking at Ezekiel Elliott or Michael Thomas uh you know some of these uh, that we're going to delve into here. Some of these ADP battles are are pretty tough um, to to decipher or to really get a stance on and and have a firm answer to. This one was very easy for me. I am Team Michael Thomas hands down. And in fact, um, Michael Thomas is is the third most valuable Jeez. dynasty asset okay. that I can think. <laughs> I don't know. I gave you I gave you the OGs. I gave you the. Uh -oh. it, it was a little delayed. Um, yeah, and obviously selecting Michael Thomas isn't isn't a bad isn't a bad pick. He's a good player. Um, it just comes down to you know personal preference, and you know I I told you earlier I've generally gravitated towards the running back, and so 
You know, and what Michael Thomas did last year was obviously special. What he's done since coming to the league is pretty special. But, and I'm not arguing with you. You know, I'm just providing the other side of the coin here. But what Ezekiel Elliott has done since he came coming to the league, I mean, he's been a running back one every year since coming into the league. Even the year he was suspended for six games, I think he snuck into the top ten there at the very end. And that just doesn't happen. I mean, oftentimes running backs are – they don't finish as top 12 two years. I mean, they it almost never happens three years in a row. It rarely happens two years in a row. Just, you know, whether it's injury or total offensive regression or what have you. But, yeah, so with me, it's – I, I, I want to build a stable running back group and then try to get – you know, I told you earlier I was I've been hammering Jarvis Landry all off season, and usually I've been doing that because I can go you know three running backs in the first four rounds, and then usually get Jarvis Landry as my wide receiver too sometimes depending on where I'm drafting at, and so that's kind of that's kind of my thinking on it. And and that's totally fair. I I 100% understand where you're coming from with that. I think we just have basically complete opposite uh, strategies when it comes to dynasty um, where you focus more on running backs. I tend to shy away from running backs in dynasty uh, typically. And a lot of that has come from the contract disputes that have become so prevalent with running backs. Now with Zeke, that's different, right? Because Zeke is a made man in Dallas. Um, I also also still don't trust Dallas entirely. (laughs) I don't trust Jerry Jones. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and they are bringing in some new pieces. I, a little bit of this is also just because I'm kind of a Tony Pollard believer. Uh, I certainly think Zeke is more talented. Don't, don't take, get me wrong at all, but (laughs) Tony Pollard at least presents a possibility with a new coaching staff. And just so you understand, you're talking to a Packers Homer. So I'm very familiar with my good deal. And that's why I'm a Green Bay Packers fan as well. Well, then, you, so here's my deal. With it. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe we can relish in this together here uh, or, or cry about this together here because my worry is Mike McCarthy comes in and he does a little bit of what he did uh, in previous years. We saw it with Aaron Jones where he just would not use him to his fullest effect. I think Zeke is more talented, um, and I think it would be stupid not to use Zeke. However, I'm not fully convinced that McCarthy will do just that. Yeah, and I'm, I am not going to defend. I don't know if intelligence is the right word. I'm okay. I'm not going to defend the common sense of NFL head coaches because, I mean, it took how long did it take the Tennessee Titans to quit giving Deion Lewis touches and to start giving Derrick Henry all the carries? (laughs) That's right. Too long. 2018. Yeah, too long. Like. They, they, you know, they had to have known, right? I don't know. So, yeah, there definitely seems to be a stubbornness um, where a coach has an idea of what, the, and, you know, I say, I say all the time when I'm arguing with my friends about, you know, how players are used, and I always say you're supposed to, you know, a good rule of thumb is you, you, ad, you move or you adjust your scheme to your talent. You don't try to make or you make your scheme fit your talent. You don't try to make your talent fit your scheme. And, you know, so many coaches, yes, it's not, it's not going to be surprising at all if, 
Mike McCarthy comes in and says, no, I use, I don't use one running back usually. So I am going to get two running backs involved no matter what. For sure. Yeah. Some coaches, you know, write their game plans on an etch sketch and some coaches chisel those sons of bitches in stone. <laughs> and it's tough sometimes to decipher exactly which is which. And McCarthy seemed now McCarthy's had some time away. Maybe he comes back and he really has done some self-evaluation. He understands that using Zeke is the right thing to do. Um, well, all that said, I just, I love Michael Thomas's track record and his ability to continue because he's not overly reliant on speed. He's not overly reliant on contested catches. He just does everything very well. And I think that that just bodes well from a long-term perspective. But like you said at the start, either one of these guys, I'd be happy to have. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would too. Um, so, okay, let's say, let's say you are at the two spot. Are you selecting Michael Thomas there or assuming Saquon Barkley? I, I wouldn't be able to let Saquon go. Okay. As somebody who drafted him in a startup, in fact, I had the number two spot in my most recent startup uh, with some industry folks, and I, I went Saquon because it's just crazy. And I did end up trading Saquon later to just get an insane amount of pieces coming back and draft <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, if you find the right guy, you can get – you know, I, I traded Delvin Cook in my main in my main league. I, I basically – I turned it into – I turned Delvin Cook into the 102 this year, two early seconds, Julio Jones, and a late first next year. See, that's nice. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I, I love it. It's, uh, some people, you know, I get the – I get the whole – you should never trade proven veterans for rookies, but I'm all aboard Jonathan Taylor and Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So I'm happy to replace him with one of those two guys. Plus get Julio Jones, plus those other assets. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more there. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, you find the right guy who you find someone that wants Saquon bad enough. They, yeah, they will give you, I mean, you can be, you can have Saquon and nothing else. You can like Saquon can be the only player on your roster, and you could probably trade him for a decent starting roster at some point. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> that sounds like you would be overshooting it, but you're not. You're really not. Yeah. I can speak from experience. Yeah, I mean, like I said, like you know, Dalvin Cook's nowhere near as valuable as Saquon Barkley, and you know, I I just laid out. I essentially traded him for. Um, I mean, both Clyde Edwards. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Jonathan Taylor are dynasty RB1s for me. Um, obviously, Julio Jones. And then I've got several other assets that, I mean, are, are pretty high-value assets. High value assets. So, yeah, I mean, if, even, if you wanted, if, even if you wanted Michael Thomas at the 102, I mean, wouldn't the play, to be, wouldn't the play just be draft Saquon? and see if you can trade him for Michael Thomas plus, you know, just plus, you know, some extra change thrown in. Yeah. And that can always get tricky, right? Like drafting to trade. It's always a tricky proposition because you do have to yeah. make sure you have the right suitor out there. Um, so in that situation, I mean, if I truly, truly believed in Michael Thomas over Barkley uh, straight up, then I might lean towards taking Thomas there. Personally, I don't have them that way. You know, I definitely do have yeah. Barkley ahead of Thomas. Yeah. Um, so I want to move on to the next one. And 
Well, well, hang on. So going back to Thomas and Zeke, if it's if it's redraft, are you still taking Michael Thomas or are you taking Ezekiel Elliott? I actually am. Yeah, and and I typically don't do that as much for redraft purposes. Again, the Pollard, the coaching. I'm a little I'm a little gun shy on on Zeke. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's logic there for sure. So going back to Dynasty, you know this this is you know later in the first, earlier in the second. And I originally had this as Julio Jones versus Godwin slash Evans, and I changed it to Julio Jones versus Godwin versus Mike Evans. You can generally, unless you're at the turn, you can, you're only going to get, you're not going to get all three of them, period. So you got to choose. For dynasty purposes, I am 100% okay with either Godwin or Evans over Julio. Um, which is not to discount Julio. And I really actually take almost offense to people saying that you have to get out on Julio now. I I don't Mm. believe that. I don't believe that's true. I think you still have two to three years of a top three wide receiver. So there's no reason for me to just say, get him off your team. Um, But just from a long-term perspective, either Godwins or Evans, I'm very okay with. Evans, it's so hard to discount the guy. He's only, I don't know, 26, 27. He's had six seasons of a thousand yards plus. Yeah, I mean, every um, season, right? Yeah, and, and even if you're scared off in the short term by Tom Brady, which admittedly I kind of am. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I. Yeah, I mean, it's something you we should take into consideration, right? It doesn't have to influence our entire opinion on the player. Yeah, but we should at least acknowledge it. I feel like. And I do play dynasty typically in about a three-year window, so I'm not. You know, I'm not immediately win now, although that plays a factor. But I'm also not the guy who builds out dynasty teams for eight years down the road. You know, I, I yeah. don't have that in me to do, and I don't find it the most uh, efficient uh, process. But it, it, supposing that, say, Tom Brady plays there for two years, so this year and next, and if that does make a hit on Mike Evans, which I think it will, then I would like to have Godwin simply for the fact that Tom Brady will decompress Evans' value, and I could go after him and trade for him later down the road. It's the same approach I use for rookie wide receivers. I'm, I'm team anti-rookie wide receiver in my drafts, typically, mm-hmm. unless I've really identified somebody as a stud, which I don't because I'm not good at rookie evaluation. So uh, <laughs> I, I stay away from in the same way. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I would actually, in this, I would go Godwin above both of these guys. Okay. So yeah, this one, Listen, I wrote this down. Let's see. So, yeah, I have it. It's written down. I, I created this list on May 17th, and I still don't have a good answer for this. Honestly, I think if I were on the clock here, I might – I mean, I wouldn't feel great about it either way because I feel like I would be – you know, there's always – it would be in my head, oh, man, did I make the right pick here. But – I think I might still go Julio Jones just based on, you know, and I like that you said that he could easily be a good player for the next, you know, two or three years. You know, like I've been in the camp of of buying Julio Jones where I can this offseason because, yeah, there's a mass, a massive group think where people don't want to be left holding the bag on Julio Jones. They want to get him out now while they can still get value for him. But, you know, and I've said on this podcast before, you know, especially in a full PPR league, we just watched Julian Edelman 
be a top 12 wide receiver at age 33 last season. So if Julian Edelman can be a wide receiver one at age 33, why can't Julio Jones be a wide receiver one at age 33? And he's only 30, he'll be 31 for the entire season. So, you know, we could easily get three more years of Julio Jones as a top 12 wide receiver. Um, yeah, and he could be the wide receiver one this year. Honestly, it's within yeah. his range of outcomes. You know, um, Michael Thomas, as we talked about, I love him, but he has more competition. He actually has a quality receiver opposite of him in Emmanuel Sanders now, which he hasn't had, I don't think, ever. But Julio has that has that edge for sure. And I will say for redraft, I am team Julio on this question. Yeah, so if it's redraft, I'm Julio for sure. Um, and I will bring up the only, and it, it goes back to, you know, you got to be careful drafting to trade. The only issue with having Julio Jones on your team is you're not, like, you're likely not going to be able to trade him because, you know, nobody wants the quote unquote old, old guys, you know? So that would be my only, that would really be my only reserve is I feel like selecting Julio over these guys gives me a better chance to win this year because I like Julio Jones better this year. But I also, you know, I feel like I have to acknowledge that I'm investing in a depreciating asset. That's right. You You draft Julio to hold him and love him for eternity on your dynasty team. You (laughs) have to know that going into it. Yeah. Yeah, he's... He's, a, he's an interesting player for sure because, you know, and one of the reasons I've been, because I wasn't always a buy, a B-U-Y, a buy Julio Jones guy this offseason. I really started thinking about it when I said something in passing. I was talking to my brother and, you know, we were talking about Julio Jones and I kind of threw my hands up in the air and I was like, you know what? Maybe he could be the next Larry Fitzgerald who plays until his mid-30s, but I, I doubt it. And then we moved on. Well, then later on, I was like, you know, if Julio Jones wants to play until he's 35 or 36, I mean, he could be he could be better than Larry Fitzgerald. You know, he could be a wide receiver one, wide receiver two for, you know, five year, five more years maybe. And so – that that kind of that kind of swayed me into the more pro Julio Jones for dynasty side. Yeah, um, I think I think there's a mix of like Larry Fitz and maybe Steve Smith as his range of outcomes for Julio. Where yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think he could play until he's damn near forty and and make a yeah. contribution. Now, how many of those are going to be top twelve? I think we're about right on the head with about three more seasons. After that, you'll see yeah. some decline, but it's not like he's going to fall off. I don't believe he'll fall off the face of the earth and you'll be stuck holding a wide receiver 80 all of a sudden on your team. You know, you'll see that. Decline. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, and it, it doesn't happen often, you know, these older wide receivers that retain fantasy relevance. But if anybody's going to do it, you know, why wouldn't it be Julio Jones? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. That's going to bring us to my next one. And I, I I got Joe Mixon versus Josh Jacobs. Where are you sitting at with these two players? 
Derek, you might as well call this the battle of I hate these running backs. I really, <laughs> I don't, and I don't hate them, honestly, because they will provide a lot of value and each could be top 12 running backs. I think I hate them um, contrary to their value. I don't like where they're valued within uh, Dynasty. It seems that they're both being valued almost as top six, seven guys, at least in my leagues um, that I've seen, and, and I don't get it. Um, but if you're asking me to choose one, they're both pretty similar in age. I think it's 23 versus 24 that Mixon is. Uh, at this point, I'm just looking at offensive situation and total workload so far. Like, how many touches have these guys racked up at this young age? It's kind of my tiebreaker with these two. Uh, Mixon with the contract thing also does scare me, I'll say from a dynasty perspective, because I don't know if you've seen the list of running backs that are going to be on the market come 2021, but it's everybody but like four guys. <laughs> everybody is coming onto the market at the same time, and that that's terrifying if you're a young back trying to get – <laughs> yeah, we've got three really good rookies at least coming in next year too. Absolutely, but yeah, you've got guys like Fournette, Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones. Uh, obviously, Joe Mixon is coming around this exact same time. Alvin Kamara is going on. James Conner is going on. Todd Gurley is back on the market probably after his one year. Uh, it, it is crazy. Like it goes on and on. And so it's a a matter of a tiebreaker. I'm going Josh Josh Jacobs. Uh, I'm a little nervous because Jacobs hasn't gotten as much receiving work, but he was also dealing with some injuries last year that could have absolutely affected that. So um, by default, almost, I'm going with Jacobs there. Okay. And, oh, man. So when, when you first, when you first, when we first, you know, brought this up, I, I was fully in Mixon's camp and you've kind of, you've, you're making me think about this a little bit. <laughs> I, I kind, I kind, yeah. I, I didn't stipulate that I had to answer any of these questions, and I kind of don't want to now. I'm just, you know, I'm asking you. These, these are your answers. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Honestly, oh my gosh. See, I was about to say honestly, I would probably still go with Joe Mixon, but then before it came out of my mouth, I was like, nope, nope, don't say it. Um. <laughs> Dalvin Cook is also coming up next year. Let me just throw that name <laughs> oh, on the yeah, pile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I think I think I would go I would still go and okay, let's let's assume Joe Mixon signs a contract extension. Are you still wanting Jacobs? I think if he signs the extension I'd be much more comfortable uh leaning with Mixon there. I am still mm -hmm. a little He's been good. He's he's not been bad, and the offensive line has been trouble for him. Hopefully they have that fixed. People seem to be a lot more confident in the offensive line this year. I'm not, um, because the people that they're relying on are technically rookies that are stepping up into the offensive line, because um, I forget his name, but he was a high draft pick last year. He was hurt yeah, coming back. And then, last year. and then the abbreviated offseason this year, it's like, well, these guys – aren't going to have a lot of time to gel and get that figured out. Josh Jacobs, at least for this year, looks a lot better um, to me. And, yeah. I, but if he has a contract, uh, <laughs> it would be close. I, I think I could lean Mixon if he secured a contract, especially with, um, obviously, you've got yourself a fancy pants quarterback coming in. 
uh, that should help provide some consistency. Although Dalton was yeah. more consistent than people give him credit for. Yeah, Dalton uh, was fine for fantasy. He just wasn't, you know, the best NFL quarterback. Yeah, so I would, and, I, yeah. I could lean Mixon if he got that contract. Yeah, I, I, and I think, you know, we we've still got a, a while before the season starts. I think I would still select Joe Mixon just because I, I think Mixon is the superior player, honestly. I mean, you know, he's big, he's fast, he looks you know, he, he looks great. And maybe, you know, I, I said I was from Norman, Oklahoma. Maybe maybe that's the problem. You know, I used to watch this guy <laughs> play play here, you know, in college. So him and Samaje Pirine. So yeah, maybe it's a little bit of the OU bias. Um, I think I would lean Joe Mixon just because – so if I went Joe Mixon and Josh Jacobs blew up, um, I, 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 would, I would still be able to live with myself. You know, I would tell myself, you know what, that's fine. Josh Jacobs had a, ma- a magical season, but, you know, I, I went with who I thought was the most talented player. But if I went Josh Jacobs and then Joe Mixon blew up, I would probably quit. I would probably quit playing fantasy right. football. <laughs> There's your answer then. Yeah, you got to go with that gut decision, <laughs> final call sometimes, and it seems like that's the case there. <laughs> All right, so let's let's move on to the next group. Uh, Nick Chubb versus Miles Sanders. Who do you got there? I had to think really, really long about this answer. I, this was the most difficult for me by far um, because I, I'm always trying to hedge, again, who has the most upside in the immediate future versus who long-term I would want. And with running backs, that can get sometimes more difficult. Um, I do think I would go Chubb here. It's not by as much as I thought it might be before I, I delved into these guys a little bit because um, Chubb's he's got a lot more touches on his body. He He's fine for receiving work he's not a bad pass catcher but he's certainly not going to be used in the pass catching role as much with kareem hunt there but the thing mm-hmm. is after this season i fully expect kareem hunt to be gone I, I don't see a reason why they would hold on to both of those guys and so you might just have to take the hit a little bit this year and potentially watch sanders outscore and outperform chubb for this year yeah. and, and yeah, i would be okay with that knowing yeah knowing that the long term i'd be much Chubb is just more proven to me as a talent. Nothing against Miles Sanders. I do think he's very talented. But I think in the long term, I would rather have Chubb. Yeah. And honestly, so for 2020, I would rather have Miles Sanders. But for Dynasty, I do think I I lean Nick Chubb. Um, Just because... You know, I I think Miles Sanders is good at what he does, right? He's he's a good runner, he's a good pass catcher, but I mean Nick Chubb is I mean he's one of the best runners in the league. You know he is a great running back, and Cleveland's bolstered that offensive line a little bit. I don't expect Kareem Hunt to be there next season. Um, I'm kind of notoriously down on Chubb for the 2020 season. And this is where it gets – this is, you know, the reason I wanted to pit these two guys against each other is because, you know, I I feel that I weight the present, you know, the upcoming season more heavily than most. 
and so that that makes me want to lean towards Miles Sanders, but mm-hmm. I do still fully expect Nick Chubb to have a good season. I don't think he will be an RB one for 2020. I mean, without a without a cream hunt injury, but I do fully expect him to have a good season. He's going to get plenty of work. Um, I mean, you look even last year. You know, as productive as Kareem Hunt was for fantasy when he when you know when he came back from suspension, Nick Chubb was still getting a lot of carries. He was still getting a lot of work, and so yeah. yeah and then you know this time next season, especially you know assuming Nick Chubb is efficient with his touches and the offensive line does look better, his value is going to be you know, it's going to skyrocket, you know, from, from this time to next year, you know, assuming Kareem Hunt leaves, you know, as soon as Kareem Hunt signs a contract with another team, you know, the arms race for Nick Chubb, I feel like, I mean, it should be over, but it's probably going to be on at that point. (laughs) For sure. Right. And (laughs) I will say for what it's worth, um, I've been cautious about Chubb as well. And and I've been cautious about ranking him inside inside my top 12 for this year as well. But the one thing that I do think we have to take into consideration with him is I do expect the Browns to be in slightly better circumstances this year and in slightly more positive game scripts, which should then alter things away from Chubb. If you're just looking at his splits with and without Kareem Hunt, they are nasty. They're not great. Yeah. Um, but I actually do expect that to slide a little bit more in Chubb's favor. So I'm still 100% with you, though. Sanders, to me... Uh, has top eight potential, I would say, this year for a running back. I don't think Chubb has that. Yeah, and yeah, I for 2020, I don't really think that's in the cards with Chubb either. Um, and and it's funny me selecting Chubb on here because I actually, and I put it on Twitter, you know, right after it happened. I got into an interesting, I don't know if I would call it a debate with somebody on Twitter, but um, so I don't know. I don't know if you follow Scott Barrett on Twitter, but he shared a screenshot that said Kareem Hunt outscored Nick Chubb for six of eight weeks when he came back last year in fantasy in full PPR. And I referenced that tweet to somebody else and this other guy who, I mean, he doesn't follow me, neither one, but he he said, no, he didn't. And then we kind of went back and forth and I was like, literally, yes, he did. Well, then the guy goes to his sleeper app, takes screenshots of their last six or their last eight weeks and sends them to me. And, you know, all the while is calling me an idiot and saying I'm clueless and don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I and I told him, I said, dude, look at the screenshots you just sent me. Kareem Hunt outscored Nick Chubb in six of those eight weeks. You and know, then, people and, see what they want to see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well then, and then as soon as soon as I was like, I said, look at those screenshots. It literally happened, and then he blocked me. And I was like, well, okay, uh, I don't. So yeah, so like, it's weird. It's weird me for me being on the Nick Chubb side of this because I have been I've been so pro Kareem Hunt. You know, I think he's being drafted. Last I checked, he was being drafted as a high end RB three. Um, I. I think I kind of think he'll be an RB2 even for the 2020 season. I think he'll be on the field enough. I think he'll catch enough passes, get enough work where he can be an RB2. Well, can um, I just mention really, really quickly that Kareem Hunt is a, going back to what we talked about at the top of the show, 
But for Scott Fish, Kareem Hunt is definitely a target for me um, to, yeah. to pick up as one of those running backs because I think you're absolutely right. I think he has um, immense potential, and he will be very consistent for it. Yeah, and in the case of a Nick Chubb injury, I mean, Kareem Hunt's the signature league-winning candidate. You know, to especially the, moon. the guy is the top yeah. three if that happens. Like no, no, yeah, BS. yeah. If you, yeah, if you draft Kareem Hunt as your running back three, yeah, you know, even in the Scott Fishbowl, and you know, you load it up on those, you know, on the top three tight end and the top three quarterback, and then yeah, and then if a Nick Chubb injury happens, Kareem Hunt takes over. Yeah, you, you're going to be competitive for sure. <laughs> so. Yeah, let's go back to some wide receivers here. And this one, I want to, I want you to, to answer with in mind, I want you to, you know, have it in mind that you selected, you know, running back early in this draft. And so you're looking at these two guys as, you know, potentially your wide receiver ones. So who do you want? You know, who are you more comfortable with as your dynasty wide receiver one between Cortland Sutton? And Juju Smith-Schuster. See, this is another one of those softballs that you lobbed me for, for me because I've been scratching my head about the disrespect to Juju that's been coming out from a dynasty perspective. It's it's weird and it's it's kind of crazy to me. Uh, this is 100% Juju for me for the long haul. No disrespect to Cortland Sutton. I was actually huge on Cortland Sutton last year. I, I could not get enough of him. Um, yeah. But, uh, it, and it's not even just the competition that was brought in for him, right? Which is very noticeable yeah. and very obvious. Um, because That's I still lot, think Cortland too. Sutton, yeah, yeah, and I think Cortland Sutton could still be the one there. I think he could be the at least the 1A, uh, if not the true mm. one there. But Juju, man, I don't know what he has to do to really get people's respect. Last year... It was a down year. I think we could all agree on that. It was a yeah. fully and down year. But he had nobody throwing him the ball. And if you're a Mason Rudolph <laughs> apologist, I don't want to talk to you. I can't handle yeah. it. Um, it's, yeah, like they literally, they had Jalen Samuels like leading the league in Wildcat snaps just because, <laughs> yeah, Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges are just not NFL time. And I, I tried to, yeah, I'm going to give it to you now. My man. All right, I tried. <laughs> I tried to give you the the my man sounder because I, I clicked the wrong button. I brought myself to like a Candy Crush link or something. But <laughs> yeah, for me, it's you know, Juju has already been you know a top tier dynasty wide receiver, right? And even with you know the kind of lost last year, yeah, he, he really hasn't dropped in value much. And he gets ben, Big Ben back. They really didn't add, I mean, they added Chase Claypool in the second round, but, you know, he's a pretty, he's a polarizing prospect. You know, a lot of people like Chase Claypool. A lot of people think he's better suited as a tight end. They brought in Eric Ebron. You know, he's had one great season and, what, three or four, you know, mediocre at best seasons at this point. But to me, this comes down to a couple of things. I think Juju is clearly more talented than Cortland Sutton. I mean, as as in a vacuum, you know, who do you think is more talented? 
for sure. Yeah, I, yeah. I would lead Juju. I shouldn't say for sure because that's, again, that sounds a little disrespectful, <laughs> but I really do think Juju is a, a top 10 in terms of just overall talent. Yeah, and yeah, I'm, I'm right there. I think he's one of the better talents in the league. You know, kind of, you know, he's the whole package. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know if this is Big Ben's last year or not. I kind of don't think it is. So I think we've got Juju and Big Ben for a couple more seasons. But, you know, who are we more worried about as far as target competition? Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool? Or, you know, with the first round pick, Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler and Noah Fant, you know, over in Denver? And, and I don't know, maybe maybe I'm too pessimistic, but I'm I'm not a believer in Drew Locke yet. I mean I mean, are you are you how do you feel about Drew Locke as a NFL quarterback? I am cautiously and I emphasize cautiously optimistic about Drew Locke. I, I do think he will become a very solid quarterback. I don't know or don't necessarily think that happens this year so my thought is kind of twofold with this one obviously jerry judy being there it's it's a massive ding to Cortland sutton on the other hand Cortland sutton did seem to fare worse when he didn't have somebody like emmanuel sanders to the opposite of him um you know i i don't know that he's built to be the necessarily the the top dog there on the on the receiving crew and he's not. And so maybe that's good. But the same questions were levied against Juju last offseason was a big running thing. Without Antonio, can he really handle yeah. being number one? We didn't get to find out because we, we yeah. have these hodgepodge quarterbacks thrown in there. That <laughs> yeah. He well, got hurt, and then Big Ben got hurt, and yeah. then Mason Rudolph got hurt. So, like, for me, it comes down almost to the fact of if you can draft both of these guys around the same spot right now, which you can for a startup. Mm-hmm. One of these guys has the opportunity to have that value blow up, and that's Juju. The other guy, Cortland Sutton, I don't see a way where his value really shoots up somehow. I think he, not that he's being drafted at a ceiling necessarily, but it's just there's not very much wiggle room there, whereas I really think Juju has so much room and potential that all of a sudden next year or later this season we'll be talking about him as a top 10 guy again for Dynasty, and well, then, even if you're worried about Big Ben and how long he stays there, then maybe at that time you decide to move him off your team, you know, and that's perfectly fine if you want to trade him away at that point. But I think just like from a numbers game, it makes more sense for me to be on Team Juju here. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking at Fantasy Football Calculator right now, and it has, I mean, it has Cortland Sutton being drafted as the wide receiver 11. And Juju being drafted as the wide receiver twelve. I don't I don't see a path for Corlin Sutton being the wide receiver eleven this season. Um I'm I'm looking at all the guys ahead of him on the ADP list right now. I like pretty much all those guys better. I like Juju better. Amari Cooper is behind him. Um AJ Brown, Cooper Cup, DK Metcalf, DJ Chart, Calvin Ridley, Stephon Diggs. You know, all these guys are talented wide receivers, and they're all going behind Cortland Sutton. Yeah, it's it's not going to surprise me one bit if you draft Juju Smith-Schuster as the 12th wide receiver off the board. 
and he finishes, you know, and he he's the wide receiver six or seven on the season. With Cortland For Sutton, sure. yeah, with Cortland Sutton, yeah, I I don't see him surpassing some of these guys. You know, he just I think he's good at what he does, but I mean I I don't know that he's special. And for my long-term dynasty team, for sure, I you know I would feel more comfortable with a player like Juju, you know, or you know DJ Moore. I think is going right ahead of Corlin Sutton. I would feel I would feel more comfortable with one of these other guys, you know, leading my team, you know, going forward. You know, yeah, I. I think Corbin Sutton belongs a little further down the list along with guys like, no disrespect to these guys either, but your DK Metcalfs and your Calvin Ridleys. I, I don't understand why he's he's up in the top echelon right now. I think he's mm-hmm. more comfortable around that, uh, you know, region of wide receiver. Yeah, and so I may I may be hating on Corbin Sutton a little too much. Um, I haven't released these rankings yet, but... I'm looking at my wide receiver, my dynasty wide receiver rankings right now. I have Cortland Sutton as my dynasty wide receiver 20. I don't know if that's, you know, if you, I mean, does that feel too low to you? I don't actually think that it does. I think that's <laughs> about where you should have him. Honestly, I'm I'm looking through this list of, of receivers and it's, again, it's nothing against them. It's, it's, not like that at all, but if if you're looking at Allen Robinson or Cortland Sutton for me, to me it's still Allen Robinson, and he's yeah, you know Robinson's way down the list here when we're talking about dynasty guys, <laughs> and he's still relatively young. So yeah, I think that's more than fair to have him slotted in around that twenty spot. Yeah, and, and some of these guys I've got ahead of Cortland Sutton. You know, I have Robinson, I still have Odell, I have AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Juju Smith-Schuster, DJ Chark, Cooper Cup, you know, and it's I just I feel more comfortable with these guys, you know, as because you know with with players like AJ Brown, I know we've only seen it, you know, he was a rookie last year, you know, it was hyper efficient, but you know, to me AJ Brown is you know, he's already one of the best in the league at something, and in my opinion, and that's you know what he can do with the ball in his hands after the catch. And so I would rather I would rather have that player because you know Cortland Sutton I think is a fine route runner and a fine wide receiver, but I don't think he's ever going to be among the league's best at anything. And yeah, so to me, that that's why I feel. Because who's a who's a who was a better prospect coming out, AJ Brown or Corlin Sutton? I mean, by the dynasty community, I'm, if I'm remembering right, I think we all liked AJ Brown better than we ever liked Corlin Sutton. You know, For sure. I mean, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I think in a vacuum, some of these guys are better than Corlin Sutton is, and you know, may, maybe not right now because they, they were rookies, but you know, I think they. I think they will be. I think they have more potential than Cortland Sutton does. And their teams didn't draft seven wide receivers and tight ends in the last two years and signed Melvin Gordon, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. So, like, I don't – yeah, I don't feel comfortable drafting a wide receiver 
you know, in the top 12 when their team added so much target competition for him. And I see the argument, too, where you can say, you know, well, a better offense means more total points scored and so on and so forth. But I, I, I just I put more into the fact that you know, these other guys, and Jerry Judy might be better than Corlin Sutton. You know, in two years, Jerry Judy may be the clear-cut number one wide receiver on that team. For sure. And so yeah, I, yeah. So I, I just don't think, yeah. Like I mean, you said it best. I don't, I don't see, I, I don't see a clear path for Corlin Sutton to be worth more. If he's being drafted as a wide receiver eleven, I don't see a path for him to appreciate value. To me, he's just going to go down. And yeah, that's that's where I'm at with. And Juju can clearly go up. We've seen it before. For sure. Yeah. So it's going to bring me to the next one. I've got Melvin Gordon versus David Montgomery. Who do you got? This is easy for me. And I don't even like either of these running backs, truly. I don't love either of these running backs. Let me put it that way. Um, But it's David Montgomery for me, just based on youth, based on his opportunity and situation. I think we can all Mm -hmm. agree last year was not a great showing for a running back uh, in that offense. But you saw the the downtick with even Tariq Cohen in that backfield, who took a massive hit from where he was the year before. Just the Mm -hmm. offense was not great as a whole. They've brought in, hopefully, a small uh, addition to that team and Nick Foles that should help get a <laughs> yeah. little bit of the juices going again. I'm not saying he's a savior for their franchise, but from our fantasy perspective, I think he could be <laughs> a little bit, yeah. um, just to make that thing hum a little bit more efficiently. So uh, Melvin Gordon, I already still like Philip Lindsay too much for me to be fully on board with Gordon. Um, I understand that they paid him and they brought him in to do that. Um, I don't think Denver is super dedicated to sticking to the contract in terms of who sees playing time and who doesn't, though. They're a little bit like the Seahawks almost in that way, where they're not going to just say, well, we spent this much on you, we drafted you this high, so here you go, you're shoved out there. They don't really seem to follow that, and so I could easily see a world where Melvin Gordon who is in year six, if I'm not mistaken, gets uh, injured, one, yeah. or just underperforms um, because he does have – Philip Lindsay is no joke. Like, he is good competition there, and I understand he's an underdrafted guy, but um, he he's proven to be, I think, honestly, a more efficient and better runner than Melvin Gordon. Flat yeah, out. Yeah, Melvin Gordon. Gordon has never been very efficient. He's just gotten a ton of volume. Totally. He's a plotter, and I love him because I'm a Wisconsin guy, and I love my Badgers, hardcore. And Melvin was fantastic in the way that he could chug along with an offense and get things moving, and that's fine. But he wasn't mm-hmm. super efficient, and that's Lindsay to me. David Montgomery, I don't think we've seen the best of David Montgomery. I don't think that he's going to blow people's minds. I'm not expecting him to become Alvin Kamara all of a sudden. But I do think that he can only progress from where he was last year. And, again, the youth is on his side. Bears did spend draft capital. They spent their first pick Mm -hmm. on him last year. And they are a team that needs to be a little bit more dedicated to that philosophy of, I drafted you, you're playing. So, yeah, for me, it's it's David. 
Okay. Yeah, and oh man, so it was pretty clearly Melvin Gordon before for me before you started talking, and now, I mean, if I'm going to be honest, <laughs> so I, I like Melvin Gordon. I think I think Melvin Gordon has more upside. I think his ceiling is higher, at least for 2020. So I think between these two players, it kind of depends on how you're playing. You know, if you are a guy that wants to go all in startup draft and try to win 2020. If it were me, I would go Melvin Gordon. What, what, what about you? Do you, who do you, you know, who do you think has a better season in 2020 Gordon or Montgomery? That's a totally fair perspective. And again, just circling back to the Scott fish thing, when I'm doing mock drafts, these guys are often right next to each other uh, or very close yeah. to each other. Gordon, typically a few spots higher, which makes sense because what you're saying, I do think that his ceiling like if he gets fed and they shovel off, you know, let's say they tra trade Royce Freeman before the start of the year and they kind of limit Lindsay's touches to just more open space and Gordon gets all the red zone touches and all that. I think it could easily be Gordon who, who shines and becomes a top 12 running back again this year. But beyond this year, I'm leery. But so for this year, yeah, if, if I wanted to shoot for the moon, like in a dynasty startup and, and, uh, and, and go that route where I'm really competing this year, I could easily take Gordon. Mm -hmm. And from what I've seen, Gordon actually seems a little easier to move off your team if you wanted to go that route as well. So, yeah, I, I totally get that. Yeah, yeah I think people here, – here's my only issue with David Montgomery is – so I, I, I'm not a film guy. I'm not going to act like I'm an expert in watching film and knowing what I'm seeing and, you know, like, all the little nuances that players have. Um, but I, you know, you know, I, I respect that, you know, I, I rely on other people for that information for myself. And so, you know, we rewind back before the 2019 combine. All I was hearing about David Montgomery is that, you know, he's got the size and he's a good pass catcher and he can break tackles, but he just doesn't look very fast. And then he went to the combine, and we all know did not run very fast, ran pretty slow. So, you know, whereas, whereas you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire ran slow at the combine, but, you know, I don't know if you have. I never heard anybody before the combine say that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire looked slow. Have you? No. No, goodness. No. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so to me, you know, there are – obviously instances where game speed is different than combine speed but you know when, when david montgomery when people say he looks slow and then he ran slow you know it limits i mean i don't know it limits maybe the big play upside for me whereas i think i think melvin gordon still has the big play upside if for, i mean for 2020 at least so yeah for me with those guys if i'm thinking long term I think I want David Montgomery because he's obviously still a talented player. But if I'm if I'm really attacking the 2020 season, I tend to think Melvin Gordon has the higher ceiling, and I think that's I think that's the route I would go. And like you said earlier, you know, it, it seems like it seems you can net more in a trade for Melvin Gordon right now. Totally. Um, yep. Yeah. So I want to move on to a little bit of rapid fire. You know, we've we've been talking for an hour. I didn't realize that until just now. Um, and Time I flies you know. when you're drinking beer and talking about <laughs> great players. 
it, it does. Um, so, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to hold you up too long. So, you know, let's, I'm going to, you know, read you off the rest of these guys and we'll spend a little bit on it. Um, so I've got Tyler Boyd versus DK Metcalf. Who do you got? This is the worst one to go into a rapid round with because they're both <laughs> <laughs> But I will say if I'm going just straight up here, if I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at immediate impact, I'm looking at what their potential could be uh, uh, with a quarterback change even potentially. What I'm looking at with other competition being brought, brought in or taken out, it's DK. It is DK Metcalf. There are less question marks around him, which I never thought I would say around this time last year, certainly. Um, but I really do think even in that limited offense where they don't throw quite as much in Seattle and they don't, uh, you know, bombard one guy with targets, they also kind of don't do that in Seattle. And I really, as long as Russ is there in Seattle, I'm all about DK Metcalf. Yeah, I yeah I, I have Metcalf here too. Just because, I mean, I think Metcalf's the best version of DK Metcalf in my eyes you know, if he reaches his full potential, it's, you know, it's maybe somewhere between Allen Robinson and Julio Jones to me. You know, it's maybe not the best wide receiver in the league, but a player, because he's so big and so fast and so athletic, and, I mean, there's there's a pretty concise target consolidation in Seattle as well. You know, it's it's basically DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and that's about it. And whatever tight end they can cobble together that's not injured for that week. <laughs> yeah. And so, so you know, I'm, I'm a believer that DK Metcalf was one of the most talented wide receivers in last year's draft class. I think he got drafted behind some players he should not have been drafted behind. You know, I believe, I believe. I know the Cardinals did, and I think the Chiefs did as well. D- didn't the Cardinals and Chiefs select Isabella and Hardman over DK Metcalf in the second round? If they took Hardman over DK Metcalf, that that's an egregious error. But I could see it. I could absolutely see it, right? Because Kansas City's more emphasized on speed, so it's very possible. Yeah. And, and you know, they were, you know, this was. This was around the time we didn't know if Tyree Kill was even going to be able to play football ever again because, you know, he was having legal issues at that point. But, yes, to me, DK Metcalf has the ceiling to be one of the better wide receivers in the league if he reaches his full potential. You know, Tyler Boyd, I think I think we're seeing the best the best version of Tyler Boyd. You know, he to me he is, you know a Jarvis Landry, uh, Julian Edelman, Robert Woods. I think he's going to be, I think he's destined to be what he's been, you know, the last two years. And that's a a solid, good, high floor, safe wide receiver that's going to get a bunch of targets and catch a bunch of passes. I dig that. Yeah. And and yeah, and that's, like I said, you know, I wouldn't, I'm not going to say anybody's wrong if they would rather have Tyler Boyd, but, to me, the upside is is there with DK Metcalf. So, next dichotomy: DJ Chark or Calvin Ridley. Who you got? I feel bad because I, I I both of these guys are super hyped guys, at least according to to my Twitter <laughs> um, throughout various stages of the offseason. Both have been super hyped. 
I would much rather have Calvin Ridley based on his quarterback situation right now. Uh, and I think he's, he's great as a number two. Um, I, I, to me, DJ Chark probably does have a little bit more upside as the number one there. I just don't really know what the Jaguars are ever doing as a team, uh, as an organization. And so that makes it tough for me to trust him long-term. I think for this year, Chark Jack is great. Either. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah, that's very fair. <laughs> But for this year, yeah, give me Chark. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll take him this year. But Calvin Ridley, to me, it could be a Roddy White, Julio Jones situation, a passing of the torch. I know it's been talked about before, but that's a very real possibility. Um, and I like Matt Ryan to play there for at least another three to four years, which is all I really look at for Dynasty anyways. And so, yeah, give me that Ridley. So to me, this comes down to how you're building your team. I think – if I went wide receiver early, and let's say I had Tyreek Hill and Allen Robinson, I think I might want the upside of DJ Chark there. <clears throat> but I've been selecting Calvin Ridley in some drafts over DJ Chark because I go running back early, and when I do that, I mainly I want maximum stability from my wide receiver position. And, and I think Calvin really is going to provide that a little bit more than DJ Chark will. You know, how do you, what do you think? For sure. If we're talking long-term, I think that's 100% true. I think DJ Chark will actually be somewhat consistent uh, this year with Minshew there. And now that the Cam Newton um, shadow is kind of away from Jacksonville, which I was a little leery of. I honestly thought Jacksonville could make a, a move for Newton at some point. Um, and disrupt that chemistry there. But now that we know that it's going to be Minshew for this year, I think Chark actually has a lot of consistency available to him this year because he was somewhat consistency with uh, consistent with Minshew there last year. But long-term, it absolutely is Calvin Ridley for that safety play. Yeah, and that's, yeah, it, yeah. to me, it's, you know, it's kind of what you want out of your wide receiver position. For me personally, because, you know, if I if I you know if I'm building my dynasty team, you know, in a vacuum, for me personally, I want I want my running backs to have the upside. You know, I want to have the running backs with massive upside, and I want maximum stability from my wide receivers. And I think Calvin Ridley, I think that's what Calvin really provides. I think that's what he does best. And you know, I don't want to seem as though I'm a Jacksonville Jaguars hater when I said, you know, I don't even think they know what they're doing because <laughs> I'm a Green Bay Packers fan and I'm almost I'm almost certain that Green Bay, I don't know how you feel, but I'm almost certain Green Bay doesn't know what they're doing. Or at least I don't, I don't think they know what they want to do. Look, man, honestly. I just got the aneurysm calmed down from the NFL draft. <laughs> I can't visit this anymore. No, we're in no position to speak as an organization about yeah. somebody else's business, probably. Yeah. Or are we the, are we the perfect people to speak? Because you know, you know, you know, I've, I've been putting on a little bit of weight, you know, since I got out of high school, you know, however long ago, and so I've got no problem now if I've got, you know. When my friends are putting on weight, I've got no problem calling them fat. But whenever I was, you know, and joking about it, but whenever I was in high school and I was skinny, I would never say something like that. You know, You're but now, now that I'm. It's of empathy now than you were. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. yeah. Now, now that I'm a little chubby, I, I feel fine calling other people chubby. So, yeah. yeah that so, logic tracks. that logic tracks. <laughs> I, I appreciate yeah. you giving me that out. Now go and bash the Jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually, I brought this up with uh, James Catullus, you know, uh, last week. You know, we talked about, because he asked me, what I think my the future is with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, and you know we we talked about it for a little bit. I don't think I really gave a right an, a, a concrete answer, and I still don't want to. <laughs> so, um, but, but you know I I brought up the fact that Green Bay has never really made it you know prioritized getting Rodgers Aaron Rodgers some wide receiver help you know with early round draft capital and such. So I was like, you know what's going to happen, right? I said, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing football somewhere else in 2021. And then Green Bay is going to draft, you know, four wide receivers in the first two rounds of the next two drafts to help Jordan Love, even though they never did that for Rodgers. 100%. Are they going to trade for A.J. <laughs> Brown? You know what I mean? Like, they're going to go make yeah, real big. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So brings me to the next one. Terry McLaurin versus Devontae Parker. Who do you got? This is very clear cut for me. In Dynasty, I want McLaurin. In Redraft, I do want Parker. Okay. And, yeah, that's I, – I think I, I lean pretty much that exact same way as well. Um, my only hang-up with Devontae Parker would be – you know, if, if someone told me that Ryan Fitzpatrick – was going to be the starting quarterback for the entire season. Yeah, I want Devontae Parker. He would actually move way up my board. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, with the possibility of there being, you know, a potential quarterback change midseason, you know, it, I mean, it creates a little bit of uncertainty for me. But I'm, I'm with you. I would rather have Terry McLaurin in Dynasty. Um, I was actually hitting him pretty hard in my rookie drafts last year because, you know, he was going, I think, as a third-round rookie pick, right? That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And so, and usually I am a, especially when it comes to wide receivers, I am generally generally going to value the talent over the situation. But... You know, Terry McLaurin last season had a clear a clear path to being the, the team's number one wide receiver. And so getting that in the third round, that's, you know, it didn't matter what I thought about Terry McLaurin, even though I did think he was a talented player. You know, it, it didn't matter. And so I ended up with a lot of Terry McLaurin, so I don't want to sound biased when I say McLaurin over Parker, but, you know, I mean, Devontae Parker looked great last year. I mean, he looked awesome. He looked like an alpha wide receiver. And they really didn't add much in the way of target competition either in Miami. But, yeah, I'm I'm right there in lockstep with you for redraft. I feel better with Devontae Parker. I think he has, you know, low-end wide receiver one potential. You know, I believe he was a wide receiver one last year. So it's really – it feel, I don't know. It feels weird saying that, but then when I think about where he actually finished last year, it makes me feel a little bit better. But yeah, for Dynasty, <laughs> I, I, I want Terry McLaurin. 
Um, so going, I think this is the first one we have where it's different positions here. Raheem Mostert or Robert Woods, or is this just, is this a, are these two players close for you or is it kind of just dependent on what your team is looking like at this point in the draft? They, for me, are not close. They, in my eyes, I have been, if I've not been the conductor, I have certainly been like the first mates or whatever the train equivalent is for Robert Woods. Just, just so you know, I've got, I've got my, you did say Robert Woods? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Oh, I tried to hit the my man sounder and it's, it, I don't know, it's not working. My soundboard's <laughs> messing up. So because this is I too had, big for my man sounder. This, this needs <laughs> a bullhorn. This needs some sort of bells and whistles behind it. it Robert Woods is the most disrespected man in football or certainly in fantasy football it seems like yeah. to me you know um yeah. he, he slogged it out with the bills and everybody's <laughs> been holding it, that against him ever since it's like man you can't do that it was the bills you don't get to hold that against robert woods and since he's gone to the rams he's just looked great uh he's looked he's the epitome of consistency he is to me and i've said this before i'll say it until i physically die robert woods is a better and slightly sexier version of jarvis landry for fantasy purposes in that he's perpetually disrespected but he's almost never going to uh leave you short for the week you know he, he's not going to disappear on you for the week he is a perpetual low-end wide receiver one high-end wide receiver two that's not going to change here um i understand the age he's 28 um, but Raheem Mostert, not a spring chicken, by the way, just yeah, had a super-duper I mean, late breakout. And for what it's worth, uh, a breakout of that caliber for a running back at that age is odd. Because he's also 28. He broke out at, okay, I guess, uh, 27. And that's weird. Yeah, it's yeah, it's strange. It's And, yeah, to be clear, I do like Mostert over... Kevin Coleman for this season, but yeah, for me, for me, it's clear, it's clearly Robert Woods, and I put these two guys together because they are similar, at least on Fantasy Football Calculator, their ADPs are similar, and you know, a lot of people are fine with Mostert as their RB two, and I'm not there. You know, you know, where, where would you be comfortable? You know, if you had Raheem Mostert on your team. Would you want him, you know, in the flex position or as a reserve or as your RB2? Where are you, where are you comfortable with Mostert? I'm truly not even comfortable with Mostert in my flex at his ADP for a redraft. I'm, I'm really not because I don't trust San Francisco to, to do what people want him to get, which is they want more of his playoffs from last year, like his NFL playoffs. They want that this year. And that just doesn't transpose for San Francisco. That's not how they operate. Kevin Coleman may not be a great running back, and he's not. But that doesn't mean yeah. that he's not going to get a bunch of runs from San Francisco. And if McKinnon, and I know it's a big ask for McKinnon to actually be healthy <laughs> this year, but by God, yeah. if McKinnon is healthy, he's going to get a ton of targets, and he's going to see the field. Honestly, if I have him as my RB4, fantastic, because he does have the upside. He has tons of upside but he has no floor for me and that that's spooky. Yeah. And so here here's where I'm 
I'm fading Mostert, um, you know, at least compared to consensus, is you know, when when people talk about the upside for Leonard Fournette in 2020, one of the first things they reference is the fact that he only scored three touchdowns, and that's due to, you know, regress positively, right? You bet. Yeah. So let's, I'm looking at Raheem Mostert's game logs from week 12 on last year. And, I, you know, I bring up the Leonard Fournette and the touchdown thing is because, you know, that's a pretty common theme throughout the fantasy industry is, you know, touchdown regression, positive or negative, you know. And from week 12 on, let me just read you how many touchdowns, you know, I mean, Raheem Mostert, week 12, one touchdown, 13, one touchdown, 14, one touchdown, 15, one touchdown, 16, one touchdown, 17, two touchdowns. And That's so, absurd. oh, and week, yeah, in week 14, he actually had a receiving touchdown as well. So he was literally scoring, he was averaging more than a touchdown per week from week 12 on, you know, from week 12 to 17 last year. So, you know, he's not going to score over a – he's not going to score a touchdown every week. I mean, I, I realize sometimes, you know, we had LeGarrette Blunt score 18 touchdowns a season. We had Todd Gurley score 20, you know, a couple of years. I think we had David Johnson score 20. But, you know, I don't see Raheem Mostert scoring, you know, 16 touchdowns next year. And that's, you know, that's why people remember Raheem Mostert as a league winner, because that's basically what he was, because he was scoring touchdowns every week. And, you know, I think that is, you know, I, I think he, I would be okay with Raheem Mostert as, you know, a bench, as, as my RB4. I don't, and I'm not going to get him there, obviously, but. I don't want Raheem Mostert in my flex. I don't want him in my starting lineup, you know, during bye weeks either. And so for yeah, for me, it's Robert Woods. You know, it's kind of the max maximum stability thing I talked about. He's going to get peppered with targets. There's no more Todd Gurley. You know, we all like Cam Akers a little bit. You know, they're. I never really knew what to think about Darrell Henderson. I know a lot of people do like him, but to me, you know, there's no more Brandon Cook. So, you know, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods could both see career highs and targets in 2020. And, and that's who I want on my team, not Raheem Mostert. That's going to bring me, bring us to, you know, the next one. I've got another interpositional <clears throat> dichotomy. It's Darius Geis versus Brandon Cooks. Who you got? And what is transition? there right just talking about brandon cooks <laughs> leaving the rams into this it's almost like it yeah. was planned um, <laughs> that was that, that was an accident when you said when you said what a transition i didn't know what you were talking about <laughs> well kudos <laughs> to your subconscious for putting these in this in this order here uh brandon cooks for me uh, again this is a clear-cut one for me brandon cooks oh, people are scared away because My man. <laughs> yes they're scared <laughs> away because of concussion and i fully understand that i embrace that if you if you don't want to touch him because of the concussion concerns, that's valid for me. But the other thing that you're giving up is you're giving up somebody who is a perpetual top 12 wide receiver, basically. And he does it all the while changing teams. I talk a lot 
uh, yes. on our podcast where I don't want wide receivers that have just changed teams. That's why I was out on Odell Beckham last year. Um, mm-hmm. But Brandon, Brandon Cooks is the exception to that rule. He's the exception that proves that yeah. rule. Every time. It doesn't matter. Yeah, um, yeah it doesn't and, matter. You know, all, all he does is go to a new team and rack up 1,000-yard seasons. It's, it's like I, I am, you know, you talked about maybe being the conductor of a hype train earlier. I'm, you know, I feel like I'm probably the conductor of Brandon Cooks being the most underrated wide receiver in the league every year. Just right because, what, yeah, what he does, we don't see anybody do. I mean, first of all, how I mean, how many wide receivers catch, you know, get one three one thousand yard receiving seasons in a row? Not very many. Whether it's due to injury or tar- you know, added target competition or offensive regression, what have you, you know, really only the the truly elite guys can rack up three one thousand yard receiving seasons in a row. You know, I don't even think Devontae Adams. I think he's got what one one thousand yard season on his resume. He's got one. There are some asterisks at play with the uh, injuries and blah, blah, blah. But you're right. You yeah. only have one. Yeah. And so for Brandon Cooks, you know, to have a thousand yards on the Saints one year and then the Patriots the next year and then the Rams the year after, it, that, I mean, I mean, obviously, rarely do teams change, do players change teams like that. But what he does, cannot be understated in my opinion and i want full transparency there really wasn't a wrong answer for this question (laughs) for me because i've been high on both of these guys on brandon cooks and darius guys just because you know i feel like we're all low on darius guys because of the uncertainty right like i mean has has he looked bad on an nfl football nfl football field yet no, but he also hasn't looked great. I mean, he's he's looked, yeah. you know what I mean, for like eight snaps. He yeah. looked great that one game. Yeah. It's kind of like fool me once, <laughs> you know, shame on shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And that's what we're getting with guys a little bit. It's just, yeah. is he ever going to get started officially? You know, he, he's never really gotten started. Yeah, and so so where I'm at with Darius Geis is I'm looking on Fantasy Football Calculator, and they've got him as – the wide receiver or the, the running back 28. And that's skewed a little bit because, you know, they take, they take data from April 3rd. So there's still some guys ahead of him on this, on this calculator that aren't going to be ahead of him now. But so let me ask you, I've got Raheem or not Raheem Mostert. I was looking at the show sheet. Uh, I've got Darius guys as my RB 24 in dynasty. Is that, does that sound too rich for your blood, or is that about right? It's too rich for me, but only because I'm I'm stubborn and I've made up my mind about <laughs> guys. And he's just a guy that at this point, if I'm proven wrong about him, great. Uh, I have no qualms about missing out on him, you know. Mm-hmm. And so for me, he's almost like he's not off, nobody's ever off my board uh, for drafting yeah. or for trading. But he is so low down that I I honestly don't really think about him. Yeah, and so, and for me, I'm not, even though I've been pretty high on Geis at, I mean, I'm high on Geis at his ADP, right? So, 
So even though I am high on guys, I've been ending up with more Brandon Cooks when I'm in this area just because, you know, like I said to you earlier, I, I tend to hammer running backs early. And so, you know, if I'm getting three running backs in the first four rounds, then I've been going, you know, players like Robert Woods, Calvin Ridley, Jarvis Landry, um, Tyler Lockett will fall sometimes. And, you know, Brandon Cooks has been going, you know, in round, so, you know, round eight-ish, if I'm remembering right. And so I've been getting Brandon Cooks as my wide receiver four on my teams. And that's with, that's with me hammering running back early. So, yeah, I, I feel better about my teams when I do go Brandon Cooks there just because, hey, you know, we talked about the changing team thing, changing teams, you know, and I know that there are some people that don't like vacated targets, right? They don't, they don't put a whole lot of stock into vacated targets. But, you know, there are a ton in Houston. And there is, there are, I mean, there's, you know, if you want to call Will Fuller proven, I won't argue with you because I think he's clearly a talented player. But there's basically no target competition for Brandon Cooks in Houston. You know? For sure. For sure. Yeah. So, so I mean, he's, I'm not projecting him to go in and, you know, get all of DeAndre Hopkins targets, but I did a bold predictions episode where, you know, I, 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 one of my bold predictions was that Brandon Cooks would be a top 12 wide receiver for 2020. And, you know, I wouldn't, I'm not going to bet money on that happening, but, you know, if he, you know, all he basically has to do is not get a concussion, and he'll he'll be pushing top twelve, right? I mean, what do you, where do you think he would be? Let's say Brandon Cooks plays all sixteen games. You know, where where would you where would you predict that Brandon Cooks finishes in terms of fantasy points? If he plays all sixteen, there's not a chance that he falls outside of the top fifteen, sixteen wide receivers with Deshaun Watson as his quarterback. It's just not a chance. Um, I don't care what the other guys are that are there. And Will Fuller will play his three games and great. Um, <laughs> and Randall Cobb maybe won't get injured this year and great. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, Kenny Stills, yeah. sure, he's he runs, he's a similar type of player. They're all deep threat guys. But Brandon Cooks is the guy. I have no yeah. doubt in my mind that he'll form a connection with Watson fairly soon because that's what he does with every quarterback mm. he plays yeah. with. Whether they throw him or not. You know, by by historical purposes, you know, he did it with Tom Brady. Tom Brady's not known as a deep ball thrower. Um, Deshaun Watson and him, they'll make magic. Yeah, it'll be top fifteen for sure. Yeah, and so, and yeah, and that's that's where my basis was for, you know, boldly predicting him to be a top twelve wide receiver is because you know, if he plays all sixteen games, he's already going to be pushing for that. You know, he just has to score you know, maybe a couple of more touchdowns than we all expect or just be a little bit better than we all expect, and he's going to be right there. Um, all right, you're going to bring me to – all right, we'll go, we'll go rapid fire. Last one, TJ Hawkinson or Darren Waller, who you got? This is a Hawkinson for me. Hawkinson is uh, – I think he's being slept on because he was a rookie tight end. With a lot of hype behind him, he got hurt. 
He played for the Lions, sometimes with a good quarterback, sometimes not with a good quarterback. Jordan Waller, 27-year-old breakout, I'm not super in on. And I think Foster Moreau, if not this year, next year, we'll start to eat into his targets, along with all those receivers that they drafted. So, mm-hmm. yeah, long haul, give me Hawkinson. Yeah, I I agree 100%. Um, you know, Hawkinson, where was Hawkinson drafted? Was he drafted eight overall? He was drafted top ten, right? Yeah, he was super high draft pick. Um, yeah, so for me, he is a – I mean, he's a – all purpose, you know, he's a do it all tight end. You know, he's not, you know, an Evan Ingram, you know, pure, you know, move tight end, pass catching tight end, really. I mean, he can do everything. He's going to be on the field constantly. You know, there's, you know, he's got Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones as target competition, but, you know, not really anything else. And Marvin Jones is likely on his way out sooner rather than later. So we could be looking at TJ Hawkinson as, you know, the, the number two option in the Detroit passing game sooner rather than later. And so that's why, yeah, I've, the ceiling for Hawkinson for me is much higher. And yeah, that's why I've got Hawkinson over Waller. Um, I like Waller. Okay. But yeah, we, we see these tight ends sometimes break out, have great seasons and they just kind of, you know, pitter away. You know, I'm thinking of Gary Barnage right now. I'm thinking of, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So, you know, Jack Doyle, even Eric Ebron, you know, I talked about Eric Ebron doing it earlier. So it happens sometimes. I think Hawkinson is, you know, in raw ability, one of the more talented tight ends in the league. And I think he's got the potential to ascend to that top tier at some point in his career. And I just don't think, I don't think Waller has that. Um, that's going to do it. Um, unless, I mean, unless you want to get anything and get another jab in at Darren Waller. Um, <laughs> I would never. Darren Waller seems like a very nice man and a very nice person. I wish him well. Uh, and hey, you know, even for this year in redraft, I might consider still Waller above Hawkinson. I'm not above yeah. that. Uh, but yeah. no, it, it, he's all good. I have no, no qualms with him by any means. <laughs> all right. So. I'm going to get you off on this, um, get you out of here on this. I mean, tell the people what you got going on, uh, any articles coming out, any podcasts, any any special guests you got coming on, anything you want to promote, you know, let them have it. Thanks, man. Yeah, well, first of all, this was fun as hell to, to come on and, and talk shop here with you. Uh, you can find our podcast, Drinking and Fantasy, excuse me, Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football, on Twitter, at Drinking Fantasy. Um, every week we try and get some smarter people than us on to come <laughs> guide us in the right direction as we're a couple of buffoons who just like to, uh, uh, shoot the shit mostly. But, um, we, we do appreciate once we get those smarter folks on to chat with us. In fact, we have, a an episode popping off here should be within the next couple of days after this is released. Uh, we have Dr. Edwin Porras on the, on the pod with us. He's going to talk about some pertinent injury stuff coming up for this year, which I feel is going to be, uh, unfortunately, very important to talk about, uh, given the, the shortened off season and all that. But um, otherwise, you can find me spewing my uh, sometimes informed takes on Twitter at Jake Trowbridge. <laughs> all right, Jake, I appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for coming on. I'll talk to you later. Thanks, Derek.
That's going to do it for today's show. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. I highly doubt it because I had a I had an awesome time talking to Jake. And once again, go follow him on Twitter at Jake Trowbridge. He's a great fantasy football follow. And yeah, that's going to do it. This has been the Dynasty Underground. I have been your host, Derek Womack. And as always, thanks for listening.